Hello and welcome to Unlikely Investors, our podcast series with pedestrian TV and shares that empowers your financial future. If you've ever thought about investing but didn't know where to begin, take your first steps in your investing journey with us, the boys from Funny Business. Welcome back to the final week of our eight-week series, Unlikely Investors. For the last two months, we've been chatting to unlikely investors across Australia to bust myths and bring you all the info to build your financially empowered future with Sharesies. And here we are, the final week. Can't believe it's the final week. To be honest with you, Locke, I'm pretty impressed with how far our understanding has come over the length of this series. Learning all the terms, crafting investment strategies, and getting some skin in the game with our own investments. It's definitely not something that has been a major focus for me in my life in the past. And this is without a doubt the longest amount of time and focus I've put on the whole concept of wealth building. Risk tolerance, exchange traded funds, dollar cost averaging, time horizons, capital gains and dividends, market watch lists, bull and bear markets. A few weeks ago, I'd struggle to explain all these to you. And you still struggle to get through that. Anyway, for me, we've lit the flame now. It's time to keep all the things we've learned in our back pocket and keep focusing on building habits that can help build a better future. Our guests to date all have different backgrounds, different experiences and different goals, but it seemed they all had the right mindset with their approach to setting financial goals and focusing on a bit of forward planning. Excited to wrap up the series by chatting with Sharesy's co-founder, Leighton Roberts. Leighton's better half, Brooke, joined us to kick off the series. No better way to finish it than to be talking with the man himself. Excited to get into some of our learnings with Leighton and hear what Sharesy's have cooking in the pipeline that will help keep us on track. Leighton, thank you so much for helping put on this amazing series, Unlikely Investors. Uh, we'd love to pick your brain on your journey into the whole the whole world of sharesies. Where did the idea start? Let's hear your side. Yeah, I mean, I think it all started in the same way sort of thing. But, you know, Sonia had the idea about uh, investing $50 instead of going out for dinner and just like the thing that you couldn't do, but something that she wished could happen. And um, I actually got connected um, to Sonia about that because I had an investment club where we put $50 a week away um, and I had started that when I was 17. Um, and, you know, I think one of the interesting, only on reflection, you reflect now and it's like, why was that interesting to me? And it's like, oh, cause the, you know, the day I signed that thing was like, yeah, we're an investment club and we put $50 away into a bank account. If you'd asked me if I was an investor, I would have said, yep. You know, I would have been like, yes, I am. And I would have been proud as punch of that. And, um, but um, if you said, look, what are you invested in? I was, I would have been a bit caught out, you know, but I don't really know yet. We've just got some money in the bank, but am I invested? Yes. And I'm very proud of that. So like, I could really see how that was going to resonate in the market research we did in New Zealand before we started and same stuff we've done in Australia since is like, that's a real aspirational feeling. Like so many people want to say they're an investor, but sometimes, you know, those who are sometimes feel like a little bit of a, you know, a bit of an egg because you sound like you're trying to show off because people think you're trying to say you got thousands of dollars or or you just don't feel like you can because you're not even if you might have like a lot of your money in superannuation and all this sort of thing so yeah for me it was like I, I've been asked so many times how more people can be in this investment club with me everyone everyone I said to about it, it's like oh, how do we get into that and it was just such a good proof point of how fifty dollars you know just that much a week over time can be a really meaningful amount and you can really feel like an investor through that so that's basically how I ended up in um, here. And, uh, you know, I guess a lucky coffee or something with Sonia started that and sparked that conversation. Well, you mentioned you were 17. What got you invest into investing in the first place? Like, were you into other stuff before? Like, were you researching beforehand? Or was it just that was the first time you were like, I'm going to start investing, 17? Yeah, I, I've sort of been interested. I think I was interested in money and business. Like, I did Young Enterprise, which is like an entrepreneurial type extracurricular thing here. 
Um, so I was really in, involved in that. I liked the idea. I understand or understood compounding interests and I, you know, was fascinated by money making money and me not having to do much about it, you know. Um, always envisaged my life as one on the golf course, hopefully, or something, but I didn't know anyone who had that life, but I thought, you know, how do you, how do you go do that? And then the other thing is I really wanted to own a home one day and this is, well, this is 15, 16 maybe 17 years ago and it seemed impossible then for me to do that by myself like so I can't imagine how people looking at it here in New Zealand or Australia even thinking about that but um, that's what kicked it off the first thing was just to go buy a house and the only way I was going to do that is if I could convince 10 other people to do it with me so um, that's yeah I don't think there's too much thinking about it and look I mean that's a good investment lesson generally I think lots of people overthink investing um, to be honest it's like you know the m- number of people who feel like you need to be an expert or research but it's just a huge part of everyone's lives that you, and you just got to do a bit of learning by doing and I think um, just getting started is always my big tip for everyone and maybe we'll talk a bit more about that later. We kicked off the series with your better half Brooke We'd love to talk about uh, your experience. Like, what's it like running a company with your wife and juggling um, dad life and being a parent? I feel like Shazies has grown and scaled so much from its original idea. I can imagine it's been a bit of a wild ride with lots of changes going on in your own life. Yeah, it has. I mean, Brooke and I were engaged when we started, but and we got married like a month later. We had, you know, we had quite a nice wedding, but we both had jobs before when we planned the wedding. We didn't actually realize we'd have quit them <laughs> sort of four weeks or six weeks before it to go start on this journey. And and then um, and then only a few weeks well, wasn't that long after our wedding. Actually, we found out um, you know we we're having a baby. So yeah, lots of things happen, um, and you know, all for you know, don't, they're all amazing things. And probably if I'd had the chance to plan, it might not have happened in that order, but it might've held us back from a few things as well. So I'm really chuffed about that. As to working with Brooke, you know, I listened to the podcast um, that she did with you as well. And my answer is the same. Like, I don't know how you could have a relationship and be running a business like like what we're doing and starting and and like having that well-functioning. And I know that it works for people, but for us, we're like, um, you know, sometimes Shazies is a massive part of our life and for both of us to be able to understand it and be passionate about it and stuff, that's very important. And it's also really good sometimes for us just to say, look, we're not, we don't need to talk about that at the moment. And you can relax, both of you can relax over it. It's like, can be, it can be cool. So I guess we don't really know any other way. Um, I can't imagine any other way. So um, we wanted to start a business together. We love spending time together and, you know, lucky that that's worked out. I feel like the Shazies brand is is so strong and projects like really like strong values. Does it come, do you think it ties into the fact that you guys as founders, you got a husband and wife there, are that family ties into the, the origin story? Yeah. And good mates as well. Like, I mean, the, um, the founding team, it's pretty tenuous. Like the, you know, it's loose, the relationship there for us. Like I played in a brass band with Martin, like he was a drummer. I played the trumpet corner. Um, Brooke and I were obviously married. I we I knew Sonia from work, like working at, in a bank um, in, in that capacity, but not really closely. Um, uh, ben, who is Sonia's partner, is our designer. So there's actually two couples there. It was quite funny, actually. I got asked not that long ago in an interview what Shazies thinks about workplace relationships, which I thought was firstly just like a really odd question to be asked in an in interview but I also was like well it would be extremely rich for us to have any view on that you know we <laughs> what are we going to say no relationships at work that'd be um pretty crazy but yeah I think the values part came probably um early on from having six of us as a founding team like what you realize pretty quickly is you've you've got to work together. it's not like just having like one almost dictatorish type founder or um 
or or even two like you can really operate like that but we had this like we had to work together like right from the start and that came with early um disagreement like never anything major but we'd disagree quickly so um you know we worked on these values together we're like how are we going to work together it became one of the first conversations we had which i can guarantee not many startups say that's one of the first things you talk about so um and i think that's just flowed on and ultimately we want to be a great place to work and having strong values and purpose alignment um really supports us to get there and is it identifying the strengths too in which you all bring different things to the table early and, and gaining that confidence in like, yeah, you, your role's clear, like we know what you're to bring into the table. Is that sort of, that's how it helps, yeah? Yeah, completely. And I mean, that the strengths certainly help for some people. It's very obvious, right? Like Brooke, Sonia and I, so we share sort of the same role basically. Uh, and we we were the first to quit our jobs, go and do all the research and development. For Ben, Richard and Martin, it was a bit easier. Like Ben's a designer and Richard and Martin at the time cut code. Like, you know, it was clear what they were bringing to the table. Although since we've learned how much more they can bring. But at the time, that felt obvious. For us three, it was more like, um, you know, what are we passionate about most? So we often ask the question, like, who cares the most? Because often you can all care about something, but who's going to who's going to win at the end of the day? So, and we it hasn't like put us too wrong to be honest. On just like okay, cool. Well, if you're passionate, we really trust that that passion, and that's sort of how it goes. Yeah. What are some of the biggest changes? I guess that's happened uh, to shares is the business that looking back from day one, you go, well, I'm I'm pretty chuffed. I'm pretty proud that we've got to this point. Oh, the biggest thing is um, just having like then I hear sharesies now like in conversations behind me or like often people use sharesies as you know where they should use the word investing as oh, I'm checking on my sharesies or something you know it's like the words sometimes shares has disappeared from vocabulary or investing so like those moments and just hearing people willing to talk about their investments um and and you know with all sorts of people that I would never have had those conversations with before um you know, it's a bit different for me because my job was in finance. So like sort of have more of an excuse to talk about it sometimes, but I, um, I just don't think that happens. So, and now it's just so commonplace and I, I just love that. And those are always my proudest moments where I just hear people that six or seven years ago, you know, people might turn their nose up and they might do all sorts, but now anyone can be an investor. And I just love that. Well, that's some of the, I guess, the overwhelming feedback that we've received from launching this series and being part of this series. The whole concept was around making investing accessible and the feedback we've got from other guests that have come onto the show or our listeners who have signed up to Sharesies and are out there having a crack and using the features is that they just, they felt for the first time, they felt empowered that they could do this. And I guess that was some of the, one of our key, yeah. key learnings is people that, like I've played around and done stuff before, but I hadn't really like it was, it was still like, it was lots of jargon. There was lots of things. Hard to get information. Hard to get it? information. Yeah. It wasn't like easy. It wasn't accessible. Like even the platforms using it, they were clunky. They were not like directed at people like me and Locke. So like to see even the communication, the tone of voice and the language that you guys use to help people feel comfortable taking that first step. We'd love to go into even like the tone first, before we get into some of the features and get to pick your brain and we can share our learnings, it's just like tone of voice. Yeah. Why was it important for you guys to communicate with people to help them take that first step? Yeah, like, I mean, like, that tone of voice is such a key part of the problem. Like, finance industry is really big, right? And it's worth a lot of money. So it's, you know, um, it's really important as well. You think about gigantic pieces of economy. You've got, like, health. You've got finance. You know, you've got transport. All these things that people just need as part of their life. So um, as a result, you create an industry around it. And that industry, like, is sort of, it's almost incentivized to make it more complicated and 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 I think, to be honest, that's what's happened a lot, particularly with the language. And I think about, 
you know, I've told this story a few times around sharesies, but I used to be a banker, used to go to these um, meetings, like they're called pricing committee meetings. And the first one I ever went to, I honestly walked out of the room, despite having a finance degree and having been an analyst in a bank for like three years prior, having no idea what had gone on. Eh? Just like, just like completely over my head. And I just remember that being a real rubbish feeling. It's like, how am I supposed to contribute in this meeting if I can't even talk the lingo? And then, you know, you sort of forget about that moment. Three months later, you're talking the same language. The next people walk in, the people who don't have to turn up every week and they go through the same process. And you know how intimidating, you can see the sweat and like the shakes and stuff and how intimidating. Like, I don't think, it sounds weird, but in some way, if you're sitting in that room and you can speak it, it's like almost a little bit of a pride thing. So I, I can, you know, I get it. I speak the lingo now. I'm like, I'm in this world. And anyway, once you observe all that um, it, with a different lens, it's like, why can't everyone do this? Like, why can't all my brothers and my cousins and my friends and stuff that um, be involved in this? It's like, actually, all of this is just words, right? You can play language every little bit of this. There's not, a, there's not a single thing that they couldn't have just chosen different words for. If you guys ever read like a doctor's script or something, you go in there and you see, you know, all the medicine and it's, and it's the same thing, right? The doctor reads this completely foreign language, but thankfully normally translates it for you. And so I say that, you know, you've got, you know, what a cough or whatever it is when you walk out, but finance just never took that step to do the plain language. And um, uh, we just think that was just, it's just unnecessary. And I, I, I don't think, um, there's any other reason that we changed it and that it was even easier for us to build the app in a way that people could understand that it would be to try complicate it um, with all the jargon of the industry. Well, we're coming from a couple of blokes who play in the product and tech space, we can really see that you guys work with the UX to like a user experience focus on how the language is used, the experience they, they actually go through in the sign up. And we've been going through, we're going to get through some of the features like auto invest, watch lists, uh, the market blogs and your, and your new stuff. But one of the things that the feedback that, like I said before, the overwhelming feedback has been around the experience, about the ease of use, about how, like, I guess even your mm. first experience jumping on, you were talking mm. about just talking to you how you want to be talked to. I feel like that's such, it's like such an underrated thing that like, yes, you got all these amazing features and they're thoughtfully designed, they're beautifully well out, people are adopting and using them. But the key part that's keeping people hooked and that's all the feedback we're getting through is it's the user experience. It's, the, it's how people feel, like you mentioned, they're no longer saying I'm checking my investors, they're checking their shares. like, you made them feel that way. It must be chuffed. Yeah, we are. Um, and, you know, there's still more to do. We know that because confidence is still a, a, still a hard thing, you know, even once you get in there because it's a familiar UX. I mean, you, you bang on with UX, right? Like uh, we consider ourselves to be a design lead company. We put a lot of effort into that. We always go the extra mile to make it easier where we can. And sometimes that means you're doing extra complicated things in the back end, you know, and, um, and, and, but I think it's always been worth it. And uh, yeah, I, I just think, you know, there's so many great examples of UX now. Like you look at all these products we use in everyday life, it's basically finance was a little bit behind, right? So in some ways, you know, I'm really chuffed we've got there. And in other, in other ways, it's like, what were we doing as an industry beforehand? Yeah, it's um, it's 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 a good place to be. The auto invest I've been using since uh since this series, and for me, someone who likes to check, I like checking the watch list and stuff like that, and sussing out all the different companies and seeing the movements and that. But the auto invest for me, especially with all the different moving parts of our life at the moment, has helped me heaps. And I just think even even with the watch list, just being able to watch and and look and and read up on all the companies, and it just makes it real easy. I've found it super helpful. Well, for someone like like yeah. like a locked background coming into this, he's like, I've never really played in this space, and he's talking about the opportunity and, to even understand it. You know, but you're not someone yeah. that well, I want to be checking it every day. Yeah, you know no, I mean? no. So auto invest was yeah. like 
that's a, it's a, such a cool entry point. Where did the idea come from? Can you tell us through like the thought behind the feature? Yeah, like heaps of great ideas at Shearsies that came from people wanting it, right? You know, one of the things about being an investor, I think, is you start by thinking to be an investor, you need to be there picking it yourself the whole time. And that's a lot of like confidence thing, right? So like you think that's what other investors are doing and stuff. And then you get a bit more confident. You realize, actually, I'm just doing the same thing every week. <laughs> like, surely we can automate this. And, and we noticed that as well. And people asked for it. So we sort of went and built it on the back of that. But, you know, dollar cost averaging, which is what that features bought for, uh, built for, sorry, is, um, you know, is all it means is that you, you're getting an average pi- price over time because, you know, it's proven many times that picking markets is near on impossible, right? So actually picking the price. So if you're doing that over time, then um, it's just a really great investment strategy anyway. And not just, some people think it's like an amateur investment strategy. I mean, that's a yarn as well. It's a lot of experts use this strategy. It's, it's, so people can take a lot of confidence from that. And if you say that your dollar cost averaging, you'll get lots of nods. It's like, that's a, that's a good way of doing it. The, the only other thing I'd say about it is like, I use it as well, by the way, like it's how I invest and I pick the odd thing when, you know, when I really feel like I've got, I'm onto a winner, but um, normally I use that strategy. Firstly, it like gives me discipline. So it's like, yeah, it's just going to happen. And I, and I know it'll go. And secondly, it avoids me trying to think that I'm better than, you know, everyone else and can pick the winner, which <laughs> sometimes can fall into that trap. Um, and then um, third one is I know that I could I put $50 a, you know, my kids are probably the best example. When they were born, I knew I did the math on one of the calculators online and it was like, right, for $5 a week, if I do that now and they continue it, like despite inflation, anything, as long as they put $5 a week, then they'll never, ever have to worry about money in their life. So and, you know, by the time they're 25, 30, that $5 is going to be the equivalent of us putting like 50 cents, right, into, into something. So um, and that's, that's just an awesome feature, I reckon, if you can appreciate time, which is a bit harder when you're younger. But What was the first feature that you built out? What was the first one? We launched, when we first launched, we just had six ETFs, so exchange-traded funds on the platform. And um, it was like, so you could build a portfolio in your pocket. It's really basic. It didn't even show you like... Um, it didn't even show you like a, a return graph too much, just said, this is what it's worth. And then, so the first thing we actually did was built out some charts for people so they could see their, their deposits going in and, and their graphs. And it's just to give some, some additional visibility to it. Pretty soon after that, um, sustainability investing was starting to really get some momentum at the same time. And it's something we're passionate about here. In fact, we, we actually considered being like uh, a, a platform just for sustainable investment or ethical investment. And the only reason we didn't do that in the end is because the six of us couldn't agree what like our ethics were. And, you know, we're really similar people, but we still couldn't completely align to what these rules might be. So ultimately we, we came up with a new thing, which is like choice. So we let people choose what they want to do on the platform and we just give education and information around that, um, which I'm really happy we did. But anyway, the next thing we built out was put on some specific uh, sustainable investments on the platform. And now there's like, you know, if you um, search responsible or something on there. There's so many options that's come a long way in five years. Have you got any like hot hot stocks or hot ETFs that you see? Like I'm sure that you have the back end of data insights about where are the people putting some stuff in. Do you see any any? Is it sustainability that people are, are hunting for? Like what are some of the things that you see people like hungry or that, like they've got an appetite to invest towards? Yeah, so sustainable investments has been big. Um, ETFs generally, so just see way more exchange-traded funds than what we used to compared to um, people picking their own or using managed funds. Um, there's a lot of people 
um, banking on technology, and that's obviously an interesting time. They've worn most of the brunt, the technology, in the last sort of um, few weeks and stuff, but people are holding on through and using the dollar cost averaging stuff. And, you know, um, no one makes money by only investing at the top of market, right? And so anyone too concerned about that, like I always... I always just encourage them that this is this is the time to go. You know, when it's down, it's not the other way around. You don't want to be just riding the wave up because it's not always the uh, well. It's not going to deliver you the best outcome. Um, yeah, so there's there's lots of themes on the as to hot picks. You know, I get hot picks from my mates all the time and stuff. You were saying about the watch list feature before, and honestly, the only thing I use that feature for, which is a bit weird, is to track the ones that I've told me to invest in because I very seldom listen to them, but I'm always interested on on how it's going. And then sometimes I kick myself afterwards, you know. But more often than not, I pat myself on the back. Yeah. <laughs> but they haven't let you down with another bad tip. What's that? They haven't let you down with another bad tip. Yeah, that's right. You get um, most tips, in, in my experience, tend to be quite bad. As soon as you're following a big pack, and um, not normally the the best result. But look, that's not to say I don't have a go every now and again on those. But yeah, generally I'm a um, bit more on the boring side, I think. And um, you know, I, I really like the saying: you make your money with risk, and you keep it with diversification. And I sort of, in my life, I consider the risk part like quitting my job to build a company and all that sort of stuff. And then I'm really passionate about diversification for the other sides of it. Well, one of the cool things I really like, you mentioned the tech companies before. One of the things that that's the type of industry that I'm interested in and, and interested in putting my money towards. And the, the thing, one of the features I really liked about shares is, is access to all markets. So like accessible access, I can go on, I can play here, I can play there. It's, it's not a normal thing. How important was that building that feature out and what, what went into making that happen? Oh, a huge amount of work to answer that one first, like, you know, mostly once again in, in the behind the scenes part. So it's all like tax, um, custody. So that's the safekeeping of all the money and stuff. Um, the actual trading of the exchange, the, the foreign exchange, so moving money between countries. Um, and in some cases, like you sort of don't observe it, but the US exchanges in particular have like quite a few companies that are listed from all around the world or they, you know, so they might be like actually Canadian dollars or something. No one sees, you know, that complication, right? But except for some particular teams and ours who live and breathe it and like everything's so niche investing because this, this industry is so organic, it just sort of came up. So unfortunately it doesn't follow that many rules. So there's so many like corner cases to everything. But the reason it was important is, um, you know, Australians like investing in Australian companies and Australian markets. And, you know, we see a massive home bias in Australia towards Australian companies. We see a massive home bias in New Zealand towards New Zealand companies. Um, New Zealanders also really like investing in Australian companies. And that's because like lots of our companies end up listed on your exchange as well. And that's probably a, um, you know, a, a, there's all sorts of conversations going around that. But like, I think it's great for our companies to have that option, the New Zealand ones. Uh, and in the US ones, the biggest companies and, and brands in the world are based in the US, right? So if you you know you want to be having a bit of your money over there, and I think that's super important. So really, we're just trying to um, look. The tip that I like to give people if they want to pick their own stocks and stuff, it's like in the way I think about it is think of something that you're using and and you think everybody else should be. So I think about some of my best investments. Like I really like that I bought Slack really early. And the only reason I did that is because we were using it. And I was like, why is not every single person in the world using this product? And it's just like, you know, so when you talk about these little bits of information that you have that other people don't, like some people think you've got to understand what their PE ratio is or what their dividend percentage is going to be, all these. It's like, no, the, the gold comes from that little bit of information of like something that, how it makes you feel. And it's probably a really good indicator of the success of something. 
So I like that tip. I like that tip. One of the cool, the cool things that we like to, as, as like crafting the narrative behind this series and helping give the insights and the education throughout, uh, throughout, I guess it's come through was getting access to some of the market news stuff that you guys do and your, and your educational blog series. I think for us trying to even, um, for our perspective, absorbing that knowledge to try and then how do I digest that and write it in a format that our listeners can understand. That yeah. was just so valuable. It was like gold. You had such a massive library of stuff there. I'm sure a lot of effort and time goes into producing that type of content. Yeah, huge amount of time. Like our team spends a lot of that. They're really passionate about it as well. Um, and it has to be right. It has to be accurate, right? So, um, yeah, huge amount of effort. And uh, I think a massive part of our proposition as well. I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you, Leighton. Uh, the yeah. first one is, shares is five years from now. Where is it? You know, whoever is listening, it's it's where your wealth hangs out. It's it's the wealth hub for you. So I'm just hoping we've got way more reach and we'll we'll be building for whatever people are asking us for. Love that. All right. Next up, best investment. Uh best I mean, it have to be my family, right? Like um everything else is just, you know, you don't invest for anything else, really. It's just, I really, I was listening to, you know, one of the other, might've been B-Wise, I think, talking about generational wealth and taking that view. And that's, I love that lens. Because you talk about investing for the long term, most people like restrict themselves to thinking like 10 years. But I'm like, no, it's like think generationally, like imagine what that could do if we had more of us thinking about that, not just for money, but for the planet, all these types of things, like just be this cool view. All right, last one. What about your worst investment? investment probably uh well look i had this one that my dad told me not to do but it was a hot tip called um allied farmers and no offense allied farmers if anyone from there is listening it's still listed on the exchange but like i put like all the money i had it was about five thousand dollars into it at the time and um it's worth I, I think i've since donated it because like it was too small of a parcel to exist anymore so that's that's my worst financial investment Oh, that's funny. What about some trends stuff? I want to get into some trends. Uh, we're pretty early in the in the year. What are you expecting to see from the market from the rest of 2022? Uh, wobbly. Like, <laughs> I think you're, you're looking, you know, I, I think now's the time for anyone just getting started to think about some of the, or go, go read some investment quotes. Like there's some spots online you can see. It's like top 25 investment quotes. And there's going to be some ones you're, here um, lots of them will be about time um, and like no one um, you know no one sat in the shade because they planted a tree yesterday type thing you know it's like you know it's, it's those ones but the big ones are like uh, the ones the famous Buffett one of like be be greedy when the market is fearful and fearful when the market is greedy and all these types of things and I'm hoping that should give people a bit of confidence that all is you know as far as investing goes all this news it seems like it's like a terrible time and all that type of thing is is you know, potentially the opposite. It's just like, just con- consider that and ultimately we'll, we'll move on with time. And uh, yeah, so to come back to you, there's a long explanation to uh, trends. Like, I think it's going to be bumpy still. I think everything about our economy is geared towards growth. So I think there'll be a few more ups and downs, but ultimately um, if you look back in 10 years, you'll be pretty happy with your decision to, to stick to it. About some habit stuff for those who have listened along and who have got they've got to the final episode of this series. Uh, they want to keep the momentum going, keep the confidence levels up. Any like tips, tricks, a bit of motivational yeah. ram it down there and keep keep the train rolling. Yeah, uh, look, the big one for me is choose a number for auto invest, and and um, and make it one that means you don't have to give up the cool things in life. 
So, you know, it's not one that you feel like you're giving, like, I hate the saying, like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, it works for some people, not for me, right? Like, everyone, sometimes someone says to me, look, don't have your coffee because, um, because uh, that needs to go towards investments or something, but I really want my coffee. It's the same for the avocado and toast, right? Why shouldn't we be able to have both those things? So I, my, my thing is like, be realistic about it because time will win at the end of the day. And if you can like nudge it up with different pay rises and stuff, if you're lucky enough and all that, then you do well. But ultimately you're better to be doing something every week than trying to put pressure on yourself and it's not going to be fun anymore. What about the end goal for you personally and shares as well? What, what, where, where is it? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, for me, at Shazies, do you mean in particular? Or what about you per- personally? You mentioned before you could like you uh, in your investors club at seventeen, one of that life, just playing golf. Like, what's the end goal? Yeah, what, what does it look like if you can ride off into the sunset and have that life? Yeah, I mean that sounds pretty. I can't actually see myself hanging out and chilling that much, and probably not that much for chiller, and I'll drive everyone nuts. But um, <laughs> I, I think. Look, I'd like to spend time um, supporting people starting businesses, you know, and I'd like to hope that I'm in a capital position to support some money, but more importantly, got a few, you know, scars through the process and stuff, which helps some people learn. Um, and I'd like to be part of that. And I really like that on the ground part with people. So I'm involved in a few companies now, sort of helping out where I can and um, some more than others, but I love those conversations. Um, then for sharesies, like I'll be at sharesies as long as I think, I'm valuable to sharesies and, and our purpose and our mission. Like, you know, as long as I think I've got something to add there. And as soon as that's not the case, I'm hoping I'll be the first to realize it. Um, and with regards to sharesies specifically, you know, as far as access, like when we started sharesies, it wasn't possible to access anything you wanted with a cent. But strategically, there was a complicated strategic problem at the time. But we feel like we've solved that. Like if you ask me anything that you want to invest in for one cent, we could actually do that. You know, of course, there's time constraints and all that, but we could strategically do it. The next part is the confidence and the motivation that you've just touched on, right? And I think that's going to be the life's works with share, work of sharesies and it'll never stop. So for as long as sharesies is around, I'll be working on how to make people feel confident with their money and how to help motivate people with their money. And because that changes for different people all the time. It's just like a constantly evolving problem. Well, thank you so much for helping put on this series, Unlikely Investors. And we know how much value it's provided to a lot of people out there who are listening, who were uh, needing that extra level of confidence to get them started and get them moving. So having series like this and us being involved and just want to say thanks. Thank you for having me and for having us. It's been an awesome partnership. I'm hoping that we can encourage a few more people to start their wealth development journey. That's it. Don't stop. Keep the train rolling. Love uh, it. Thanks for being part. And if you're listening, thanks for listening along. Yeah, thank you. Say it ain't so. This can't be the end. All good things must come to an end at some point, mate. But I am feeling pretty lucky. It's not every day you get to be involved in a piece of work that helps you develop and learn things that will help us set up a better future. The common theme across the series was that there is no better time than the present to get started on your investing journey. It's been like financial learning boot camp. Yeah, and you can call me the commando. <laughs> biggest learning and takeaway for me personally comes down to creating better habits. Now that we've gone through the basics of investing and investing lingo, we've listened to some strategies our guests have used for their own wealth journey. It's about getting these habits to stick, like the top-up goal feature, keeping that train rolling. I'm with you 100%, Rob. It's not as scary when you're learning and trying new investment strategies with small amounts. It's been eye-opening just how much the market is in a state of flux. So my key learning is to continue to watch the stocks I'm interested in and make my life easy with some form of auto-invest. What are you going to do to keep the train rolling? What's the game plan so you can ride off into the sunset?
I'm going to auto-invest into the sunset like Leighton did since he was 17 years old. Talk to me in 15 years and hopefully I'm rolling in it after continuing on with my $50 monthly auto-invest. How cool is it that auto-invest seems like it was designed off the back of a habit Leighton has had since he was a kid? But hey, if you've been listening all the way through, I hope this series sparks a flame to help you make better informed decisions for you and your families. Speaking of families, it's not often you see a company doing things like sharesies and was founded by a husband and wife. Love getting to hear Leighton's perspective on Sharesy's journey to date. Talk about power couples. It's time to do it for you. Unlikely Investors is our podcast with Pedestrian TV and Sharesy's that empowers your financial future. If you've only just joined, dig back into the previous seven episodes to kick off your investing journey. See you next time. This podcast was developed in collaboration and is sponsored by Sharesies AU PTY Limited as an authorised representative of Sandland Private Wealth PTY Limited. AFSL number 337927. The information provided is general information only. It does not constitute financial advice. The information provided in this podcast has been prepared without taking into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should therefore consider the appropriateness of the information provided in this podcast in light of your own objectives, financial situation or needs before acting on any of this information. If any information provided relates to the acquisition or possible acquisition of a particular financial product, you should obtain a disclosure document, a product disclosure statement, or an offer document relating to the product or for consideration before making any decision about whether to acquire the product.